0: This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, we continue this week with our sermon series on the first letter of John, which is the letter J. Letter J, first letter of John. <laughs> I, I had to really commit to that joke and it's a rather complicated chapter. It kind of rambles and goes in wildly different directions. It contains the first mention of an antichrist in scripture. We even had to split it up with a song because there's just so much. And this chapter I think can roughly be looked at in three different, three distinct parts. The first one talks about this commandment to love. And it stresses the importance of knowing Christ, abiding in Christ, and being in the light. Next is a very short but very well-known passage about the world and not loving the world or the things in it. Which is what we're largely going to focus on this morning. The last part seems to talk about the dangers of this world, about the people who deceive, who preach against the gospel, people who are anti-Christ. And the author exhorts us to abide in what we heard from the beginning, meaning the gospel. So I want to talk about what the world is in this passage the difficulty of some of the language involved, and the boundary that is between the world and the church. And I may go against the grain just a little bit. To begin, I wonder if you have ever had a feeling or an emotion that you couldn't quite put into words, like there's something happening, but you just can't find the right word to describe it. If you Google untranslatable words, you'll come up with plenty of lists of, of uh, words in other languages that describe things in English that would require a whole sentence. Many of you have probably heard of the word in German, schadenfreude, or taking pleasure in someone else's misfortunes, which probably breaks the commandment to love one another. Or maybe from Indonesia, Jaius, a joke so unfunny like the one I told a minute ago, that you can't help but laugh. Or there's also the Portuguese saudade, a longing or nostalgia for something that may or may not even exist, kind of like the world before 2019. Or my personal favorite, and one that I know you all have at some point felt, the Scottish word, tartle. It's a hesitating when you introduce somebody because you've forgotten their name. So I hope that you are all wearing name tags today. I bring this up because when I read this chapter for today, I can't help but think that there's an idea or a feeling that the author is trying to get across that he just can't translate correctly. There wasn't a word for it yet, and maybe there still isn't. And it's what gives us these long descriptions, confusing passages. The author says, do not love the world. And yet God so loved the world. And we are called to go out into the world. And we are called to love our neighbor, everyone. It seems clear that this world is something negative in this passage that we must be different, we must be separate. There's really not a middle ground. You're either in the light or in the darkness. So which one are you going to choose? And this is where the author and I differ. Do not love the world or the things in the world, he says. So maybe we should think about it a little first. So what is the world? First of all, we look at the world as a physical place. It's the planet that we live on, the resources that it's blessed with, all of creation, which in the beginning God called good. Do we really believe that we should not love the gift of this physical world? I hope not because we are called to be stewards of it even though as a whole, humanity has done an embarrassing job of stewarding creation. There is so much beauty in it that it's impossible not to love. So if it isn't the physical world, then maybe it's something a little more spiritual that we're not supposed to love. Maybe it's evil in general. Anything that works against God Now, I think that we can all get behind that. But this is where I think the author needs some other words to describe things. Because if you really think about it, the definition is a little confusing. Or maybe it's just confusing for me. The author is pretty clear that the things that are from the world and not from God are the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, and the pride of riches. And the problem I have with this is that our culture in Christianity has largely made these things some kind of other, something outside of the church that we can protect ourselves from if only we try hard enough. And if you flip through a commentaries, the first one, the desire for the flesh, is very heavily talked about. We've made it into this verse that relates to flesh and sensual things or sexual desire. And I think it's caused decades worth of unhealthy understandings about sex because we think of it as something not of God, something dirty, something we don't talk about, something to protect ourselves from. And I guess you could say that unhealthy sexual desires describe this desire of the flesh. But I think what the author is talking about is something temporary, something fleeting, being too attached to things that are not eternal, because our lives as fleshy beings, they don't last very long. And if we think of it that way, then the desire of the eyes follows a similar pattern. It could be lust, but then again, it might be better to think of this as an idea or a practice that draws us away from God. Remember that this letter is all about the division in a community where some of the members have left preaching something that is not the gospel and the others remain. And if we think of the flesh and the eyes that way, then pride and riches follows as well. What we make, what we create, all of the economic systems, the governments, the buildings of any kind, like this one, those are just as fleeting as anything else. It's completely temporary. So is the world some outside thing? some group of vices that we can protect ourselves and our children from? I don't think so. I think the world in this letter is our own capacity to push God away. And that itself goes back to the very beginning, doesn't it? To that first moment when humanity saw the chance to eat from the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil, to be open to being tempted to do the wrong thing from then on, their awareness of right and wrong. Or even from Cain, committing the first sin. And yes, you did hear that correctly. The first sin of murder. Even though God was right there and told him not, to do that. So, this is how we are countercultural to the world. The purpose of not loving our capacity to choose anything other than God is meant to encourage us to hold fast to this gospel and to let the kingdom of God grow continually in us and in the physical world and the spiritual world. That surrounds us. So don't take too much pride that our faith becomes the thing, the object of the world that this passage preaches against. And That brings us to some of the difficulty of the language used in this letter, which I just want to touch on for a minute. It's a very dualistic kind of language, light and dark. Kind of language good and evil and the problem that I see with this is that we humans can be very quick to create these kinds of binaries of looking at an entire group of people and saying you're evil where do we get the audacity in thinking that we can do that it's one thing to recognize that somebody may not be following a commandment to love It's one thing to recognize that politics or religion or class or gender is something that separates us, but it's completely different when we demonize an entire group of people and every person within it. It creates an environment where we isolate, where suddenly everything becomes Christian Christian TV, Christian books, Christian movies, Christian novels, Christian cookbooks. Not loving our capacity to push God away should not mean discouraging interacting with others, encountering others. So how can we love others if we see them automatically as evil? The world is all of us. We are the world. Our mission was never to go out and condemn, but to see the newness of this command to love one another, to realize that it's not just new because Jesus thought of it first, because he didn't, but because it is born again anew in each of us as we hear the gospel, as we proclaim it, It is new because Jesus gives it new life and invites us into that same newness, not into division. And finally, where is this boundary between the world and the church? Is there really a clear line that divides these two separate things? I do not think so. There's no wall, there's no fence. There's nothing you have to cross over to get into one or the other. And I think it's maybe a little like the difference between light and dark. If you are in a totally, completely dark room, completely shut off shut off from any light, and you pull out your smartphone and turn on the flashlight because they all have them now, that no matter what place you're in, no matter how dark it is, it is no longer dark. Where there is some light, there is no darkness. I'm sure you've all seen the pictures from the James Webb telescope by now, and all of the internet memes that compare these incredible pictures of the universe to a 90s era bowling alley carpet. But what I find amazing in this is that every speck of the night sky, every part of the universe, there is light traveling over billions and billions of years. The light infuses the darkness. There is no boundary. There's only walking in the light that shines in the darkness, in being the light for someone else. Holding fast to this message of the gospel that God loved the world so much that Jesus became incarnate God of God, light of light, and called us to love God and love our neighbor and love one another. As you go through your week, don't love whatever it is inside you that draws yourself away from God but do let Christ transform it. Surround those things with so much love that there is no more room for darkness. Love the world as God loves the world. Something beautiful and amazing. Something in need of redemption and worth saving. So I say, do love this created an incredible place, and all the people in it, by being love instead. Amen.